Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Brother Booker. And I'd like to thank the committee and those that selected me to speak. While you remain standing, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to the book of First Peter. There's an old song that's in my heart, and uh, I'm not going to take time to sing it, but it says, Precious name, oh how sweet, hope of earth and joy of heaven, precious name. Don't you love that name today? We praise the Lord for the name that's above every name that high and mighty name first peter chapter 2 and verse number 9 but you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood a holy nation a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who have called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. Dear Jesus, we love you and thank you. I'm asking you to give me to feed your people, for this is a great people. God, you promised me that you would help me rebuke the powers of hell and give me the liberty to speak with the unction of the Holy Ghost. Praise you and give you the glory in the name of Jesus 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 praise the Lord God bless you you may be seated I will say this just by way of remarks I have not spent much time in California, but there are many of you and many of these men who have meant much to me over the years. Brother Von Martin was preaching a revival in Austin, Texas, long years ago, and I got the Holy Ghost in that revival, and I've always felt a kindred feeling toward him. And there are many others here who I admire and honor, and I can't tell you what you have meant to me in my life. Say this with me, but we are, but we are a chosen, chosen generation. generation. Let me say it again. Some of you sound a little tentative, like you're afraid to say it. Would you say it again? But we are, we are a chosen, chosen generation. It must have been somewhere around 1916 at the second convention of the Assemblies of God when the new issue came to a head. The crisis had risen to such a proportion that they had gone against what they had previously said and that was they were not going to draw the line along doctrinal issues. But the power and the presence of the name that was sweeping this organization now demanded a decision. 
when it was finished after several days of discussion and debate, 156 men walked out to stand for the truth that God had revealed to them. Right. The, ba the baptism was to be done in the mighty name of Jesus and that that one God whose name was Jesus. I've heard and it was told to me by Brother Urshan and several other men that this was the scripture that the Lord gave them when they left that meeting. In Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 5, Hear the word of the Lord, ye that tremble at his word, your brethren that hated you, that cast you out for my name's sake, said, Let the Lord be glorified, but he shall appear to your joy, and they shall be ashamed. It looked like for a long time that those apostolics who were rejected and despised by so many, not only the world, but their religious friends, were pushed aside and rejected over and over again. And uh, there was wondering, you know, we haven't always been in the forefront. There was a time when we all were in storefronts and we were rejected. We were not called the Pentecostals, but more often related to or referred to as holy rollers, giggly books, kooks, freaks, and quacks. We were the off-scouring of the religious world. It was in the late 60s when a periodical finally read this, that the Pentecostals are becoming the third force in religion. They had counted us off so long, considering only the Protestants and the Catholics, and uh, they now said we were the third force. I think that they did not take a good look at the book of Acts. We're not the third force. Actually, we are the first force. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And so, with that, God began to move in marvelous ways down through the years to bring the church of the living God to the forefront. Praise the Lord. The Apostle Peter writes here in the book of 1 Peter, but you are a chosen generation. Moreover, he states it like this, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a peculiar people, a chosen generation, chosen no less by God himself, made by divine selection, we are here in the divine will of God. The scriptures tell us in the writings of the book of 1 Corinthians, but we have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Amen. Indicative of the situation at hand, we have come to the kingdom of God, for the timing is right. And God has saved, if you please, the best for last. We are aware that this is the generation upon whom the ends of the world is come. And our world is in desperate need for remedy, for healing and deliverance. And uh, 
You know, there are those that are trying to displace the remedies of days gone by for new methods. Our world is hungry. They're standing at the doors of religion and they're asking, is there any word from the Lord? Is there a physician there? Can you give me an answer for my problems? Well, you can't displace the remedies of years gone by for new methods. When I was a little boy, whenever I got sick, my mother thought that every problem could be solved with a dose of castor oil. Amen. And if castor oil couldn't do it, Epsom sauce would get the job done. And if Epsom sauce wouldn't get it done, then certainly good old syrup of black drop would fill it and kill it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, I guess all of you have been born in the days of milk of magnesium. But she felt like if those three things didn't get it well, she could come up with some other old-fashioned remedies. She could take a tablespoon of sugar and put a few drops of kerosene oil in it. Ah! Hallelujah! And give that to me, and that would cut the coal out. And if that didn't work well, if I had a splitter, she uh, would take some fat meat and put it on the fat, put the fat meat on the bad spot. And did you know it? That it would draw the splinter to the head? I'm talking about old time remedies. Well, we're living in a day, well, it's the summer fruit. And uh, the harvest is past. And we're not saved and we're faced with problems unlike we've never faced before. Problems of distant franchised homes and broken lives and dope addiction, AIDS and all types of unusual remedies. People that have been involved in the sordid lifestyles, sickening filth and ungodliness, perversion. We don't need to try to address these problems with more social aids and amen. And I know that they've got some inner healing things and I know that some of that stuff may work. And we don't need to try to address it with that. I know this. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my faith, there is no substitute for old-fashioned prayer. There is no substitute for old-fashioned fasting. There is no substitute for old-fashioned consecration and dedication and commitment to God. Hallelujah! When you say praise the Lord, as a new convert, I would go to my pastor and talk to him the first thing he would say to me, have you prayed about it? And uh, most often I hadn't. So the counseling session would end until I went to the prayer room and come back and get a hold of God. And then most often I had my answer already. I just needed to get a little deeper in God. Just get a little closer to the Lord and come back and the Lord would help me. But you are a chosen generation. We cannot substitute in this new day all remedies for new methods. They don't meet the bill. 
they won't get the answer done. A chosen generation. Esther had no idea why God chose her. She was an orphan. Her parents were long gone and all she had to her family was an uncle. When Vasta rejected the beckoning of the king, it was an unusual circumstance. And yet it prevailed to open the door for a beauty contest where the king would choose him a new queen. No one ever suspected that the little ragtag orphaned Esther would have been selected to be the next queen and possibly the mother of Cyrus, the new ruler of all of uh, Medo-Persia. 125 provinces gave girls to be offered in this contest. I'm sure they came arrayed, bedecked with jewelry, lipstick, rouge, mascara, their fingernails painted and their toenails painted. Y'all scared to say amen? Did you say amen? They all came before the king. Interesting enough, as attractive as they may have been, there was something missing in their countenance. Esther found favor with the chamberlain. He gave her things of purification, as it was with the days of the number, six months of oil of myrrh, six months of spices of sweet things. You've got to understand that selection by God does not prevail you to only have good times. There are days when we suffer. Choice by God does not eliminate us from difficulty. Oftentimes we are thrust in the furnace of affliction. This challenges us to rise to the occasion. Esther would never have known she would never have come to be the queen had she not gone through her days of murder, had she not gone through her time of affliction. But when she came before the king, she did not have all of the trappings on the outside. She was beautified with the boil of meekness. She was beautified with the salvation of the Lord. She was beautified with the holiness of God. She was set apart. She was sanctified. Hallelujah. She was of that royal priesthood. The difference in her was that she had the touch of God on her life and she was attractive for the anointing of God makes people attractive. He beautifies the meek with salvation. Hallelujah. They that are of his house are becoming holiness, if you please. So here she is before the king. She's been trained a little while, and all of a sudden she's chosen to be the queen. The ruler of the world has chosen her to be the bride, his queen. And she sits in a place of royal ecstasy, of honor and blessing. She had no idea. Now she's placed in a wonderful position. She doesn't have to beg. She's no longer looked down on. She's no longer rejected. She's no longer talked about. 
But did you know that the enemy is not satisfied because you're blessed? His destruction and determination to destroy you yet remains. He is determined to destroy the bride today. I'm glad to know greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. The decree has gone forth uh, that everyone is to be destroyed. She forgets possibly that she was one of those that was an outcast. She forgets possibly that she used to be one of those that was on the outside. She is placed strategically. Many of you have been placed and brought to the kingdom of God for such a time as this. Strategically you are where you are so that you can do the end time job. Her uncle gets the message to her. Don't think that it's all right because you're in the wall palace. You too have a responsibility. For if the decree is carried out, all of us will be destroyed. Not only us on the outside, but remember you were one of us. So she takes to prayer and fasting. Her position alone does not give her power. Her place alone does not give her power. You've got to understand that God has brought us to the kingdom and chosen us and given us a place in him. But we've got to take advantage of the things that belong to us and exercise the authority that is in this church to reach our world. That then known world would have been destroyed. At least the Jewish generation would have. But this woman began to pray and to fast. And I would imagine she said this. If I perish, let me perish. But I'm going in to see the king. Because in going in to see the king, I can prevail. Prevailing prayer always gets the job done. Prevailing intercession. Hallelujah. God has a way that's mighty sweet. There are no substitutes for prayer. For men and women that know how to lay hold on God. There is nothing that will turn this world from its ungodliness. But a generation of born again believers that know how to lay hold on God and prevail in prayer. She prayed and fasted. She did not know what was going to happen. The law was you were not allowed to come to the king without an invitation. But she prevailed and came anyway. It reminds me of Rizba on the hillsides of Jerusalem. Refusing to give up. Refusing to quit. She was a concubine of Saul. But she refused to give in to the law that said her children who were hanging in the tree could not be buried. Rizba waves that tattered garment fighting the beast by day, the beast by night, and the birds by night. For she says in her heart, 
These are king's children, and they deserve a burial. These are king's children. Our elitism does not give us advantage to ignore and forget those that we have left behind. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. Notice what the next verse said. You who are not a people are now the people of God. May I remind you, the Bible tells us he did not choose you because you chose him, but he chose you. Not only that, but he ordained you. Amen. Not only that, but he called you and ordained you that you would go forth and bring forth much fruit and that your fruit might remain. In the writings of the book of Deuteronomy, he tells us here, the Lord did set his love upon you and choose you because or not because you were more in number than any people, for you are the fewest of all people, but because the Lord loved you and because he would set his or keep his oath which he prayed to your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand ah, and redeemed you out of the house of bondage and from the house of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy to them that love him, and keep his covenant to a thousand generations. We didn't choose him. He chose you. He found you. He drew you from many waters. He picked you up from wherever you were. The writer of the book of Ezekiel said, When I passed by you, your neighbor was not cut. You were not salted. None wanted you. But I saw you, and I loved you, and I said unto you, Live. Then I decked you and clothed you and took you home, and you became mine. I tell you today, we are sitting in the choice of God. We're sitting in the place of the apple of his eye. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. Esther goes into the king. He extends to her the scepter. Once again, the anointing prevails. And she is accepted. And she bequeaths the king. And she has spared her and her family and all those that love her. And she's given one half of the kingdom. The church is the bride of Christ. We are an excellent type of Esther. We prevail with the king. We have access. There's more that can be said about the place that this woman held in the king's life. How though there were those that tried to destroy her, her relationship with the king caused her to prevail. Hallelujah. As a bride, those of you that have been to weddings, 
You know this, the most important person at the wedding is not the bridegroom. It's not the maid of honor. It's that lovely lady that's all dressed out in white. As a matter of fact, they don't even start the music until it's time for her to come in. And then they play it. Dun, 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 dun. And everybody stands up. Why? Because the bride is about to come in. The earth waves and groaneth to it for the manifestation of the sons of God. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the church be the church. Let the bride be the bride because the whole world is waiting for the bride. Hallelujah. 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 We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You understood the great blessings that come to us in salvation. In that day of the Old Testament, only a few could enter into the presence of the Lord. As a matter of fact, it was only the high priest. There were those set aside to minister to about the tabernacle, but others were cast out. You have to understand the seriousness. Only a few could be a part of the congregation. When you read the 23rd chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, there were those who were clearly laid out. Some, if you were an Egyptian, if you were an illegitimate, if you were a Moabite, if you were an Amorite, if you had martyred or misfigured your body, many had to wait ten generations just to come in the congregation, let alone the presence of God. But the Apostle Paul says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. No wonder the scripture said, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Why? When Jesus died, he said it is finished. When he said it's finished, the veil in the temple written in twain from top to bottom symbolizing one, no man tore this. Number two, the hope that was within the veil ushered out to men and men could then go into the throne room of God. For he has consecrated for us a new and living way through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. That's why any one of you at any given time could lift your hands and close your eyes and go right into the presence of God because you are a royal priesthood. You don't need somebody else. He already paid the price. He's already given the sacrifice. All you got to do is come on. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Hallelujah. To show you the stringent rules, when Miriam rebelled, she was put out the camp.
They waited until healing came to her. Then she could come back. When you're in sin, it's as though you have leprosy. But when Jesus forgives you, when the blood is applied, when you're baptized in his name, when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you can come back into the camp. You not only can come back into the camp, but that place that was reserved only for a few is now made available to everyone that will. You not only can go into the inner court, you can go into the holies of holies. You can be visited by the Shekinah of his glory. And then he said, you are a holy nation. You know, the saints used to be called sanctified people. Everybody say sanctified people. The world used to be afraid of the saints. They didn't understand us. They just knew if you needed a prayer, get it to the sanctified folk. Because they can get a prayer through. They may wear long clothes, but they know how to pray. They may sing all night long, but they know how to pray. A holy nation. A holy people. A holy generation. Hallelujah. You must understand what it means to be sanctified. In the writings of the book of Ephesians, chapter 4 and verse 22, let me just share with you a few scriptures here as we talk about this matter of sanctification. Praise the name of our God. Hebrew or Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. The scriptures tell us that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Colossians chapter 3, and verse number 8. Again, the Apostle Paul enjoins us regarding this matter of holiness. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 8. But now you also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing you put off the old man with his deeds, that you uh, put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. I know we don't have two in the back of smokers here, two in the back of folk here today. I know we don't have folk to dip snuff in this place today. Well, I guess that you will say amen. Say amen. I know we don't have, you know, folk uh, with the water bull term in their mouth. And some old red, you know, old red man dripping down the cheek and smoking marbles and crews and yeah, hallelujah. Salem and walking a mile for a... Rolling your eyes at people and your jaws swollen like a toad frog and won't speak to people and 
talking about who you can't stand and hating people and Lord help me today we are a holy nation a holy nation a holy nation God has done his part he's brought us in he's made us accepted but the writer of the book of 1st Corinthians tell it like this the Bible said wherefore laying aside listen to me we've got our part to do just as God has done his part listen to the scriptures having therefore these promises dearly beloved let us cleanse ourselves of all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God what do you mean that you be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship have righteousness with unrighteousness what communion have light with darkness what concord of Christ with Belial what part has he that believeth with an infidel listen what agreement hath the temple of God with idols for you are the temple of the living God as God hath said I will dwell in them and walk in them I will be their God and they shall be my people wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate saith the Lord and I will receive you unto myself the writer of the book of Leviticus said make a difference between clean and unclean between holy and unholy there is a line there and the Bible said come out from among them I heard the writer of the book of Peter said be ye holy lift your hands and say holy come on and say holy it's such a wonderful thing to be a holiness people it's a marvelous thing to be a sanctified folk it's a glorious thing oh hallelujah to God for what change the Lord has made in our lives he lifted me from sinking sands he lifted me with tender hands he lifted me oh praise God he lifted me would you say holy
that are the holy people, that are the sanctified people, there is an attendant glory that is not anywhere else because they are the people of the name. Let's clap our hands for the Lord. sing a little song said I'm a one God born again apostolic tongue talking holy ruler born again believer in the liberating power of Jesus name if you're one of them let the redeemed of the Lord say so Lord, I need your help. You can be seated if you please. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 71, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all them all that hated us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our lives. Did you know it? We are the people that are called by his name, but as equally important, we are the sanctified saints of God. Hallelujah. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 9, the Apostle Paul once again shares with us the power that comes to you and I when we are set apart for God's service. Knowing not, know ye not, that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, or adulterers, nor sissies, nor abusers of themselves and mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor social drinkers, nor revilers, nor extortioners, and people that don't pay their tithe either, shall inherit in the kingdom of God, and such and such were some of you. But now you are washed. You are sanctified. You are justified 
in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. I heard the songwriter said, How did you feel when you come out of the wilderness? How did you feel? He said, I looked at my hands and they look new. I looked at my feet and they were too. I looked all around me and everything was new because I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Come on and say glory. Hallelujah. some of you don't want anybody to know that you really got it. I know some of you don't want folk to know you even talk in tongues. Some of you are ashamed that people might know you've really been baptized in Jesus' name. And I know some of you don't want folk to know the reason you dress the way you dress and don't act the way you act, don't act the way you act is because I'm sanctified. You don't want people to know it, but what you ought to do is pull off that fear, pull off that shame, pull off that embarrassment, and unfold that bloodstained banner, and let the world know, I'm one of them. I'm on the Lord's side, and I'm not going to take down because you don't like it. chapter 10 and verse 10 by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all and every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices can never take away sins but this man after he had offered one sacrifice for the sins or for sins forever sat down at the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds will I write them and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is there is no more offering of sins. And then lastly the apostle Peter tells us we are a peculiar people. The peculiar there does not mean foolish, ignorant or weird but it means amen purchased. Amen. We are a purchased people. We have not been purchased with corruptible things. Look, silver and gold is the stuff they make roads out of in heaven. You heard about silver and gold. 
when he got ready to purchase the church, he didn't go to Fort Knox. He didn't go to the treasury in Washington, D.C. When he got ready to purchase the church, he marched up on Calvary's hill and laid down his life. He stretched his hands wide. He dropped his head on the locks of his shoulders. They put nails in his hands, nails in his feet. He gave out his life's blood. They stuck the spear in his side, and out came blood and water. And the writer of the book of Acts said, he purchased the church with his own blood. We have not been redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious, the rare. Ha! What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fault I know. Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood. In sin I wondered sore and sad with bleeding heart and aching head till Jesus came and sweetly said I'll take thy sins away thank God for the blood thank God for the blood we are a holy generation of royal priesthood a peculiar people a blood-bought people. Everyone standing. There are not a lot of things that the devil is afraid of. But you can bet your bottom dollar he's afraid of the blood. The saints used to pray like this. You hear him say, I plead the blood. I plead the blood. I read in the autobiography of Mary Wadsworth Eder that Mary Wadsworth would say, I've sprinkled you in the blood of Jesus and folk would fall prostrate. You all wonder what was it? It was not the terminology, but it was her faith in the blood of Jesus Christ that can wash away sins, that can overcome every obstacle. Oh, oh, we need to know that we are a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are a blood-bought people. We have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. We have been sanctified, set apart. We've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Look out, world! Here come the saints. Here come the Pentecostals. Here come the apostolics. And we're not ashamed. Lift your hands and say glory. Say glory. Hallelujah. Let's praise the Lord, everyone, all over this building. Praise the name of our God. Oh, blessed name. Oh, thank God for the blood. Oh, thank God for 
of the blood. Thank God for the blood that washes white as snow. Listen to this. Notice when Bishop Hayward, after seven days of prayer and fasting, came out of his tower with the songs. I see a crimson stream of blood before he read a text, before he made an altar call. Seven people got the Holy Ghost and they baptized ten in Jesus' name. There's power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Our glory be to God. Oh, thank God for the blood. For the blood. Oh, thank God. Thank God for the blood. For the blood. Oh, thank God for the blood that washes white as snow. Everybody, oh, thank God. Oh, let's pray. For the blood. Come on down and let the Lord. Holy Ghost, come on and pray. You need healing? Come on down and pray. Let Jesus have his love.